My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about the good old days. That is, those times in our lives that we look back on with sentimentality and great fondness, just the happy memories from our past, our childhood, our teenage years, our young adult lives. As I think about my life, I look back on uh, really all of my life, and I just see the blessing and the goodness in the hand of God. When I look back on my childhood and my teenage years and the experiences that I have had, and the people I've been able to meet and to be friends with, and I look at my own family. I just think about growing up as a kid in East Tennessee, and my brother and I just had an idyllic childhood, really, and our parents were right there at all of our events and all of our activities. And then when I was a teenager, maybe before I became a teenager, our family moved from East Tennessee to East Texas, and that's where my teenage years were spent, really, I guess, where I finished growing up. And I look back over that season of my life with such happy memories and the experiences we had in our church and at school and with our friends and certainly with our family. And I just look back on those times in my life and just am so thankful to God. I was actually born uh, in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, spent my early months of life there. My grandparents uh, were from Georgia, and so as a, even after my family moved from Atlanta, we would go back and visit my grandparents in Georgia. And so even today as an adult, anytime I'm back in the Atlanta airport, my mind just goes back to earlier seasons of life when we would go back to visit family and friends. And I'm just a very sentimental guy. I know that stereotypically, girls are more sentimental than guys. And if that stereotype is true, I would just have to say when it comes to sentiment and emotion, I am more like a girl than a guy. Now, I said that to our congregation not too long ago, and they kind of laughed me out of the building, but it's true. I, I'm just a, a sentimental guy, and I look back on seasons of my life and memories that I have had, and I just look back on them with great sentimentality. And Maybe you're like that. Maybe you look back on a time in your life, maybe when your kids were young, or maybe when you just got married, or maybe when, you know, who knows, for you, whatever that time was in your life that you look back on and you say, man, that was just a happier time in my life than what I'm going through right now. And you think, I just wish I could recapture that. I wish I could somehow go back to the past. Well, the fact is we can't do that. We cannot go back to the past. We can't live in the good old days. We have to live in the here and in the now. And God knows that, and God doesn't want us to try to live in the past. Sometimes we can go back and visit. I had the privilege not long ago of going back to the church where I grew up in East Tennessee and preaching there. And the whole weekend while I was there, I was just living in the past and thinking about the good old days. And that's a special thing to do and a great thing to do. I got to be around lots of people that had taught me in Sunday school when I was a kid and even got to meet my fifth grade teacher or to see her again. Hadn't seen her in many years. And so, man, those are special times. But as wonderful as those experiences are, we can't live in the past. We have to live in the present. Now, if you have your Bible today, I would encourage you to open it to the book of Haggai in chapter number two. We're going to be reading about a group of people who 
really, if you think about it, they were living in the past. They were thinking about a happier time in their lives. And yet God spoke to them through the prophet Haggai, and he said, hey, as wonderful as the past was, you can't live in the past. You've got to live in the present. You've got to live in the here and in the now. Their problem was they remembered growing up in Jerusalem when they used to go worship God in the beautiful temple that had been built by Solomon. Solomon's temple was absolutely beautiful. It was huge. It was ornate. It was full of grandeur. And yet in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar had come in with his Babylonian army and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and completely destroyed Solomon's temple. He had carried many of the Jews, most of the Jews, to Babylon where they spent 70 years in captivity. At the end of those 70 years, the Jewish people began to return to Jerusalem and they began to rebuild the temple. But the problem was the new temple that they were building was nowhere near as large and beautiful and big as Solomon's temple had been. And so some of the older people who had seen Solomon's temple, who had worshipped in Solomon's temple, when they saw this new temple, they were really depressed. They were down in the dumps. Many of them, the Bible says, even cried when they saw how small the new temple was. And so God began, began to speak to this group through Haggai the prophet, and God said to them, you can't live in the past because what I'm going to do in this new temple is even greater than what I did in the former temple. And so today, as we study what God said through Haggai, I think it will be easy for us to apply this sermon to our own lives. And my prayer is today, whatever you're going through, whatever you may be experiencing, and however difficult and painful it may be, that God, through this sermon, would speak to you and that God would say to you, don't spend all of your time longing for the past. Don't try to go back to the good old days because it is in the present and in the future of your life that I'm going to do the greatest work that you've ever experienced. And so my prayer is that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Not only should we focus on Jesus, but we should focus on each other. We should be, maybe I should say it this way, we should be thankful for, for one another. Back in verse number four, when God was speaking, he said, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, and work, for I am with you. But notice when he's saying this, he's not just talking to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, the high priest. He says, be strong, all you people of the land. And so... There's a sense in which God was saying, I'm talking to all of you. It's a, this is a group thing. You have each other. Sometimes the reason we long for the good old days is because when we look back to the good old days, we think about somebody that used to be a part of our lives that is no longer a part of our lives. For me and many in my generation, we look at our grandparents and other family members. For many of you, when you look at the good old days, it's not your, just your grandparents, it's your parents. For some of you, when you look at the good old days, it's not just your parents, it, your, it's your spouse. And for some of you, when you look at the good old days, it's not just your spouse, it's your child, or maybe even your children, or maybe a sibling, or maybe a close friend. And that's what it is that makes the good old days so special to you. It's, those, it's not just where you lived or what you did. It's the people that you enjoyed all those memories with. And now those people are not here anymore. They've gone to heaven and, and here you are. And, so, and sometimes you just feel lonely 
Or maybe it's not that they've even died. Maybe it's just that you've moved away. Or maybe you didn't even move away. Maybe just life circumstances changed and you're not as close to them as you used to be. And you think, man, I wish I could go back to the good old days when we were together and when we had fellowship. And so many times in life, instead of focusing on what we still have, we focus on what is lost. You've heard us say before that every year at Thanksgiving, we get together and just like your family does, and we have our traditions, and one of our traditions is we have a bowl of corn, and there are kernels in there, and we take out those kernels of corn, and we thank God for all of our blessings, and most every year when we do that, somebody at the table will say, well, you know, and we'll start calling people's names who, used to, who have had Thanksgiving with us, my grandparents on both sides, other family members, a lady named Mig Greer, you never knew Mig, but... Mig was from East Texas there in Sulphur Springs, and she became a widow at a fairly early age, and our family kind of adopted her, and she used to have Sunday lunch with us, and she was with us on all the holidays, and we think, remember Mig, and we call our grandparents by name, remember Momo and Pop, and Mimo and Big Pop, and <laughs> we call other family members' names, and you know, it's easy in a setting like that, if you're, especially if you're like a girl like me, you know, it's easy to... It's easy to get so caught up in who's no longer there and who you've lost and who you miss and who you wish you could turn back the clock and get them there at the table. It's so easy to live like that that you forget to be thankful for the people who are still sitting at the table with you. And that's one of the things we need to do is to not... Yes, we, we do miss our loved ones. We wish we could you know, bring them back, but we can't bring them back. But friend, let me tell you something. You still have people in your life today who I'll guarantee you this, if they were taken from you, you would be heartbroken. Many of you are sitting next to them right now. A spouse, a parent, a sibling, a friend, whatever it is. And what I'm saying is we should be thankful for what we have now. You know, as I said, I grew up in East Tennessee. I was born in Georgia and grew up again in East Texas. I can never remember where I'm from. I mean, I'm from everywhere. You know, it's a real issue for me. Where are you from, John? Mostly everywhere. I've been everywhere. But I can tell you this, and God, God is my witness and God knows my heart. As much as I cherish my past, as much as I honor my past, as much as I'll do anything I can for anybody in my past, or certainly any church in my past, I'll tell you this, I'd rather live in Pasadena, Texas than any place I've ever lived. Because for me, for now, this is God's will for my life. Did you know there's a verse in the Bible in Acts chapter 17 that says God has predetermined the boundaries of our dwellings? God has predetermined the boundaries of our dwellings. And so God has determined where we would live. And God has determined for now that we would all live in the Pasadena area, Deer Park, Laporte, wherever you might live. We're at First Baptist Church and in Pasadena. So that you get the point I'm making. In this area, this is where God wants us to be. Folks, I just want you to know I'm thankful to live here. You know, when I was in college, we used to come home, visit the, my parents, and, and uh, we'd drive over that ship channel bridge. I can remember many times driving over that ship channel bridge and, Seeing all the, that industry and all those factories, especially at night, all of it was lit up. You know, I used to hear people say, well, you know, Pasadena is not as pretty as some other places on the earth. And, well, you know, I mean, every place has, is different geographically. But I just remember driving over that Ship Channel Bridge and seeing all that industry. And I just took great pride in my heart. I thought, these are hardworking people. These are good people. This is a town where God has sent my dad. This is before I came on staff. I said, this is where my dad is a pastor. 
I'm proud of Pasadena. I'm glad to live in Pasadena. Pasadena, Texas is a great place to be. And I still feel that way well over 20 years later. And so what I'm saying is, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up with where we used to live and who we used to have and what we used to experience that we miss the blessings that we have today. And we should be thankful for each other. Turn to the person next to you if you know them. Now, if you don't, you have to pass on this. Just say, I want you to know I'm thankful for you. Just tell them that. And now say, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Well, hey, we should be thankful for each other. I'll tell you something else that'll help you, that'll help all of us. Not only do we have Jesus, we should focus on Him. Not only do we have each other and a great place to live, a great city and a great church, but think about this. We have the glory of God in our lives. Look in verse 9. This is what I've been trying to get to, and I'm taking a lot of time to get there. This is the main verse. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. God says to Haggai, he said, listen, I know everybody down there is wishing that this temple was as pretty as Solomon's temple, but there's something you need to know. The glory of the latter temple, the glory of this second temple is going to be greater than the glory that was in Solomon's temple. Remember, it was Solomon's temple that had the Shekinah glory of God. And God said this next temple, that's why some people think it's got to be the millennial temple which is really an extension in a symbolic way of the rebuilt temple. It's got to be a reference to that because that's when Jesus will set up his kingdom. But either way, what God was saying was the glory of what is about to be built is better than the glory that has already been experienced. You're focusing on the size of the building. You need to be focusing on my presence in that building. The glory, you know that word glory from the Hebrew word kabod, K-A-B-O-D, kabod. It literally means a weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, a heaviness. But if you study that word, it means a heaviness in a good sense. I think about our church. This is one thing we should pray for our church, that the glory of God would fill this church, that there would be a heaviness of God's spirit in a good way. In our midst, a kabod, a heaviness, the presence of God. Isn't that what happened in Exodus chapter 40 when Moses had built that tabernacle and it said the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, the cloud of the Lord covered it, the glory of the Lord filled it, and the presence of God was so real in that tabernacle that they, could, they saw a visible cloud. Wouldn't it be awesome if we came in here on Sundays and when we walked in the room, we were able to see a visible mist, a cloud, not from the lights or not from some smoke, not some concocted man-made way. But I mean, if the presence of God were to be so real in our midst that we could see that cloud, that we could feel that midst, that the glory of God would be here and we would say, God, as wonderful as my past has been and as many blessings as you've given me back there, I've got something now that I didn't have then. I have more of the glory of God than I've ever known. Now, we may never see that mist, or we may. God can fill this room up with a cloud just like that if he chooses to. But whether we see the cloud and feel the mist or not, it's that glory of God that we know is here. And then notice what God says. This is my favorite part of it. At the end of verse 9, he says, And in this place, I will give peace. 
Not only my glory, not only a manifestation, an awareness of my presence, but God says you need to understand in this next temple that is about to be built, there's going to be something here in a greater way than it was in that first temple. Don't focus on the building. Focus on this. Focus on the fact that in this temple, I will give my peace. Peace. There's not anything like peace. To know that all is well between us and God. I'll tell this. I want to tell it quickly. I was kind of on the fence whether or not I wanted to tell this or not because I never know how personal to get. I mean, I'm pretty much an open book, but I don't want to overdo. I never want to overdo John. But uh, say too late for that, all these things you've told today. (laughs) As you know, back in 2015, I was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. Had a malignant tumor on my left kidney. Thankfully, God led me to a gifted surgeon. He was able to remove that. The cancer was contained. I thank God for that. But after an experience like that, you have to go back and you have to have follow-up scans. And so about a month ago, I went back for my two-year MRI. And I told you how poorly I did on the MRI. I don't mean the results, thankfully, but I mean the first year when I got all the claustrophobia and everything. That was another story. But on this one, you'll be proud to know I did slightly better in that part of it. Had the MRI. Went back two days later for the results. And my dad had said to me when that whole thing started, he said, anytime you go to the doctor following up on this, I really want to go with you. I don't, I, I, I don't want you to be in there by yourself. I said, well, I'll be glad to have you. But, so we ride down there together always. But when it's time to go back to see the doctor, of course, I just go back in there by myself. And he stays out there in the, in the waiting room and studies or prays or does a sermon or whatever he wants to do. And so I went into the room and I had peace I really had believed and do believe that God has healed me of that and I'm so thankful but I went in that room and I was just sitting in the room by myself and you know I don't care how much we love God or how much faith we have we're still human at the end of the day right and I was just sitting in there in that room and I was at peace but I thought I sure will feel good when I hear these results of this test that everything turned out fine so you kind of just start feeling a little bit of that you know a little bit of just anxiousness I guess a little nervousness a little nervous energy right there that's kind of what I was feeling I was I was trusting the Lord but I was still a little nervous (laughs) one of the most amazing things happened to me as I was sitting in that room God gave me a verse so I always encourage you to memorize Bible verses if you have them tucked away God will bring them out when you need them And God spoke to my heart and gave me that verse out of Psalm 46. As clearly as if he would have spoken it audibly, this is what God said to me. Be still and know that I am God. And when he said that, it was just like I had been wrapped in a blanket of God's love. And I just felt tremendous peace. Be still and know that I am God. The girl came in and took my blood pressure. You know, normally in a setting like that, your blood pressure is elevated because you're nervous. But once God gave me that verse, I was calm. My blood pressure was textbook perfect. It's better than it normally is. Wow. She went out, and there I sat and waited, and I said, Lord, you know I'm praying for a good report, but I just trust you. I mean, whatever happens. A few minutes later, the doctor came in, and he sat down, and and he said, well, how you been feeling? I said, well, I've been feeling good. And he said, have you had any problems? You're going through all this. I'm going to say, give me the results of the test, man. <laughs> he asked his questions. I'm trying to be nice. And I was. You know, I just kept answering his questions. And then finally, he said, well, I just want to tell you. Your MRI came back great. Wasn't any problems at all on that. 
I said, first thing I said, I said, thank you, Jesus. And I said, thank you, doctor. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, doctor. But you know, I look back on that day, and I have two experiences to be thankful for. Certainly, I'm thankful for the great report that they gave me. Everything's great and clear. But I'll tell you what I'm also grateful for. I'm grateful before the doctor gave me the report. God gave me peace. And that's why God said to Haggai, you got to tell those people to quit talking about the good old days. And you got to help them to know that in the here and in the now, they have my presence. And you have each other. And my glory is going to inhabit this place. And not only that, it will be in this place that I will give peace. And I'm asking you today, do you have that peace in your heart? Do you know Jesus? Have you ever been saved? Have you ever received him as Lord and Savior? If not, you can. And you can right now. If you'll just pray this, Lord Jesus, my greatest need in life is to have peace with God, but I don't have it, not fully, because between me and holy God, there are all my sins, and God, they've got to be removed. And the only way they can be removed is by the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to forgive my sins, and to make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Tell him that right now. I trust you, Jesus. Friend, if you'll say that to God and mean it with all your heart, you will begin to experience peace because the Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace follows faith like day follows night. If you'll trust Him, you'll have that peace. You'll be able to hear God say to you in whatever setting you may be in, be still and know that I'm God. I'm here. I'm with you. And my presence and my peace or the greatest thing you could ever experience in life. Well, friend, if you prayed that prayer today, God has heard that prayer, God has answered it, and God has just saved you. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today, if you prayed that prayer, you're a whosoever, and God just heard you, and Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit has come to live in your heart, and He has promised to never leave you. And so today is your spiritual birthday. You've just been born again. And so I want to just say congratulations to you. And I want to just say to you what I said to the congregation on the morning that I preached this sermon. And that is simply this. The presence of Jesus Christ in your life today is more important than all the blessings of yesterday. And so, yes, we're thankful for our past. We, we cherish the good old days. But we can't live there. We live in the present. We look to the future. And when we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts, it's not hard to do that. It's not hard to be grateful for His presence right here and right now. Just like God told me in that doctor's office, I believe God is saying to some of you today, be still and know that I am God. I have you covered. I know what you're going through. I'm going to take care of you. Your story will have a happy ending. Just trust me. 
And that's pretty much what God was saying to me that day in that doctor's office when he gave me such peace. And I pray today that you would hear his spirit through my voice maybe, but certainly it's God speaking, saying to you, be still and know that I am God. I would encourage you in the week ahead, if you have some time, maybe even today, to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org peacebybelieving.org. You're going to find some tremendous resources on there. Our ministry team has worked tirelessly on our website. We have archived sermons that you can go back and hear a lot of sermons on a wide array of topics. And then there's a tab that you can click called Spiritual Growth. And if you'll click that tab and you'll read a little section about how to have peace with God, it just reinforces some of the things we talked about today. And then if you'll scroll down from there, you'll find a good number of booklets that we have prepared through the years on different topics like riding out the storms of life, when God says wait, finding freedom through forgiveness, never alone. I've written one called In the Twinkling of an Eye, Angels Among Us, Living on the Edge of Eternity. Read one of those booklets. I pray it'll be a blessing to you. We'll look forward to being with you next time.